Before we get started, I wanted to let you know that the Women's Social Club chapters are open now in Atlanta, Boston, Charlotte, Chicago, D.C., Denver, Jacksonville, Florida, Memphis, Miami, New York City, Pasadena, California, Wilmington, North Carolina, with multiple chapters in Raleigh, North Carolina, and the surrounding areas. If you're in those cities, come join us at thewomensocialclub.co. And if you don't hear your location, visit our website and click start your own chapter. We'll see you soon and let's get to the show. So in Rochester, I had the house, I had dogs, I had kids, my husband, my family was nearby. I had a great job and I had friends. And that's when I learned that you think you may know what you want that will make you happy, but you can be wrong. And that's okay. To all my hustlers, dreamers, love dealers, I'm that kind of girl. Work hard, play hard, for my own heart, might just rule the world. Welcome to the Women's Social Club, a women-supporting women group where we make it easier to connect with new friends and our communities while supporting our local women-owned businesses. I'm Hannah Weisberg, founder and CEO of WSC, and today we're talking to Abba Bowers, CEO of Walk West Marketing Agency and certified personal trainer and nutrition coach. Abba is one of those people with a bubbly personality and infectious smile, and I can easily tell why she's a leader. But she also only has 24 hours in the day, just like the rest of us. So how does she balance kids, husband, friends, being a CEO of a fast-moving agency and a nutrition coach side hustle? We'll get into that, but first a little background. Abba's family is Nepalese and she grew up in Rochester, New York. After graduating from the University of Rochester, she started her career in New York City. I met so many amazing people. So in my hometown, there's not a lot of diversity. And so I met people of different countries, cultures, the food you had access to, the delivery. I mean, you could walk down one block in Brooklyn and get sushi, get Mexican, get beep and bop, like whatever your heart desired. Oh, those are and just all the things you could do. But it yes. was the people and the energy. It was always electric in New York. Electric is a perfect way to describe New York. I lived there for a while and our Women's Social Club chapter is an amazing group. I always love it when I go back to visit. Abba kept moving in her career with Merrill Lynch and then Tiffany Jewelers. She liked corporate America, but then she found something that was a little more her speed. What was really cool is being the third employee at a startup, Brand Networks, um, in New York. And um, some friends in college founded it in my hometown in Rochester, and then they opened a satellite in New York City. And one of them um, from my school was there and said, hey, you want to come on and be the first account person and help us hire people, grow the team, do account management, because he was on the back end doing dev and coding. And I was like, absolutely. So that was that was what I learned. You just make stuff work. Like we worked out of each other's apartments. Um, and then once we made enough revenue, we went into a WeWork space. And then once we made enough revenue, we had our own office. So it was so cool to put in that work and earn it. You know yes. what I mean? And But just knowing it's okay. And you had to figure stuff out on a dime and a budget on a whim. But that is when it's like, I think of my mom who always said, like, there isn't one solution to anything. You might think there's one, but if that one doesn't work, like, you need to figure out another one or, like, you're done. 
That's such a great quote, especially for startup culture. Mm -hmm. Because everyone, that is one thing I love about being a startup is I have to say my team, they contribute the most beautiful ideas. You know, I was doing it so long for my by myself and you know, you run out of creative juices after a while and you really just start to see things one dimensionally. Yep. And then you start bringing in all these people with all these different strengths and weaknesses and personalities and styles. And yes, I can see how that would have been just a really magical experience. And I feel like you really got a firsthand taste of entrepreneurship because when you work for a startup that small, I mean, you're pretty much building the company. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 100%. It was one of my favorite experiences. It taught me so much on how to just be creative in my life, not just in work. So that I kind of took that and I was like, all right, if this doesn't work out in my personal life, what else is there? So it's a good perspective. And then like the way I was raised, my dad was like, you do this and then 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 you do this. Like here's your whole life planned out for you where we all know it's not a straight line. Yeah. It's a beautiful tangent, crazy zigzag circle situation, depending on where you are. <laughs> so you met your husband around this time. Mm -hmm. So did he also work in a similar industry? How did yes. you guys meet? Oh my gosh. So I went, I had the best recruiter, Linda Odell. If you're still working, I'm giving you a huge shout out. <laughs> Anyone in New York City, holler. She's amazing. <laughs> and she's like, okay, I'm at Young and Urbicam then. And I, I was fine. I was in a great job. Love the people. It's good. And she's like, I have the perfect job for you. And I was like, Linda, I don't, I'm not looking for a job. Like, I love you, but no, thank you. And she's like, what's, what's something that I taught you? Number one thing. And I was like, always take the interview. So she's like, just go meet people. And I was, I was so uncomfortable then of like meeting new people and networking. It made me just, ah. And I felt like, is it disingenuous? Cause I'm not even looking for a job, but I was like, you know what, whatever I'll go. And I happened to meet someone from my hometown that was there like we're very different in age, but he was from the same hometown. So I was like, this is oddly serendipitous. Like, let's continue the conversation. And I thought I was all done because then they would give you a list of all the people you're meeting. But at this agency, and I love this, they had a surprise like cultural interview Ooh. to see if you would fit in as an individual because one toxic attitude or something can take out the whole apple cart right mm -hmm. so uh I was so shocked they're like you're gonna meet Whip Bowers I was like what are you talking about like I was like double checking my list I was like did I miss this like what's going on and so I'm kind of like my adrenaline's pumping like what's what's do what and they're like okay here you go and I turn the corner and I see my husband who looks like Mr. Rogers <laughs> And I thought it was like the cutest thing because you know New York. They're like, there's millions of people. Why can't you find someone to marry? Various reasons, let's oh, be honest. Oh, my God. There's right? so many. <laughs> so many, which we'll take offline. But um, so I meet him and he's in this, this green cardigan, his knees over his leg and how he's sitting. But he just seemed like such a genuine, kind, pure human being. And we talked for like two hours that day. I don't even know what was going on. We just went from the work thing to life to all this kind of stuff. And I I left and I called my mom and she was like, how was your interview? And I was like, mom, I think I met my husband. And this is coming from a marketer who is like the biggest skeptic. And I don't believe in like the, you know, like Hallmark movies on the holidays. Oh, okay. Like really? Yes. And she said some things in Nepalese, which I cannot repeat. <laughs> um, can't repeat live on, on the mic. Uh, but she basically was like, okay, like, get out of your dream world. Did you get the job or not? And I was like, I, I think so. But regardless, it's okay. And I did get the job. He and I didn't work together because we were the same type of role. So he managed accounts and I managed accounts. But he taught me a lot of things. And everyone was like, you two need to date. And I was like, 
uh, uh-uh. like we work in the same space. I'm that's too much of a overlap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then one thing led to another and yeah, we, but the best part was we were friends first. So he got me for who I was from the bat. I didn't have to try to be someone I wasn't and impress him and you know what I mean? You would just, you, what you see is what you get. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love that. I think that's the secret to relationships is being friends first. Yes. And the romantic stuff is definitely a bonus and it's there. But yeah, when you're able to share a best friend and your yeah. life partner, I mean, that that's the best. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool that you guys met. So your career journey changed a little bit after that, like because of you meeting him. Mm -hmm. So talk us through that a little bit. So where we met that agency, the president there had relocated to an agency in Maine. And my husband is amazing at what he does. And he is like a leader that can manage super duper well. Um, and he can grow accounts and, and he's just, he's so talented. He's like, he doesn't even get it to this day. I tell him, so I'm telling you publicly, babe, like you're great. And so, you know, she called and she's like, Hey, you know, I want you to come to Maine and help run this account, um, train people, all this kind of good stuff. And she was at our wedding. So she's aware of that we were married and everything. And she's like, of course, I'm able to come up, like help with new business and account management. And we were like, okay. So at that point we were fatigued of New York. I always thought I'd be there forever, mm -hmm. and I loved it so much. But after, you know, years and years of just going to the grind, and I, I knew I wanted to be a parent, I was like, this isn't the best place for me to be a parent. Yes. We ended up moving to Maine, which was fantastic. It was about a year. Um, we just explored, hiked, had the dogs. Like, I was introduced to lobster. <laughs> I mean, at first he was like, how'd you not have it before? But I was like, would I want it any other way than fresh Maine no, lobster? No, it does not get better than that. Because all I had was red lobster in Rochester. So I feel yeah, like no. <laughs> it might have been a skewed experience, right? Uh, and it, it was a beautiful place. But it was so far away from our families um, with his being in Chicago and mine in upstate. So we had said, okay, it's time to, to go. And my father, of course, the five and ten year plan, I was very clear with my husband. I was like, I like to have babies in my hometown. My parents are there. My brother is there. My nephews are there. Um, and that was kind of the plan all along. And he's like, let's do it. And I was so worried because he's from a big city in Chicago. We met in New York City. We went to a cool place, you know, Portland, Maine. And now we're going to, you know, upstate New York. Like, is he going to be okay? Like, <laughs> is this yes. like a culture shock? Yes. Is it going to be on me? You know, like any kind of resentment or anything. But he was completely behind it um, and supportive to go. And you were saying you guys were living there. So you had all of the boxes checked. Like you said, you'd followed through with this life plan kind of in a, the timeline that you were sticking to. And you had the kids and you were near your family. But you were feeling like something just wasn't quite there or quite right. Mm -hmm. So how did that start? And that's when I learned that you think you may know what you want that will make you happy, but you can be wrong and that's okay. So in Rochester, I had the house, I had dogs, I had kids, my husband, my family was nearby. I had a great job and I had friends. What is wrong with me? Really? Like, why wasn't I through the roof jumping up and down, like grateful for my life? I felt, I felt weird. Like I was an ungrateful person. I felt guilty. I was like, something's going on. And so, you know, my husband and I kind of looked at each other one day and I was like, are you, are you all right? And he's like, yeah, like, this is good for us to raise kids and whatnot. So I think it was perfect for when we had two young children because we were at places in our careers where 
the schedule wasn't as demanding. We could dictate it more. But after our youngest did this amazing thing called sleeping, we started feeling more angst. Like intellectually, we both were not stimulated enough. And then we looked at the landscape and we're like, there aren't things here that can meet that need. Um, so what do we do about that? Um, and that's when we started looking at different places to live. And it was Denver, Colorado and Raleigh, North Carolina. I have family here. So that was a big piece. I mean, we were also like, why, why are we picking Denver? Like, it's cool. Like, okay, but like, <laughs> we don't know anybody. I They're mean, like, it's beautiful. Right? I know. I've always <laughs> wanted to go. <laughs> yeah. I've heard really good things. Um, and so my cousin was like, like, he literally was put together a PowerPoint presentation. Like, he wanted us to come here for years. He'd been pitching us. And we came down with the kids, and he thought that was it. And then we're like, eh, not yet. Because the first time I interviewed at Walk West, I did not get the job. And wow. Yeah. So then I was like, well, this is what meant to be. It's just like how when you were saying in New York, it wasn't, the, it wasn't meant to be yes. the first go-around. And it yes. wasn't meant for me here the first time. So we went back upstate. My husband ended up getting the job of his dreams, um, working as a head of marketing for a distillery. And so he was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so happy. And I was like, well, you know what? At least then one of us is happy. I wasn't miserable in my job, but I wasn't, like, over the moon. But I was like, you know what? If you're super happy, the kids are good, like, I can do this. Like, it's fine. Um, and so then about a year passes by, and it came back. Yeah. And he's like, okay, you know, this was a great ride, but, like, now what do we do? We're always the now what people. Like, you'll never find us at the same job for our whole entire lives, ever. It's mm -hmm. just not – we just can't do it. And that's when I was like, I think it's time to look at Raleigh again. And I kept in touch with Donald Thompson, who was our CEO at Walk West then. He's now um, our chairman of the board. And he's he, he would check in every few months. Hey, what about this opening? I'm like, mm, no. What about this one? Mm, no. And right at that time where we had like a lot of angst to move, he's like, I've got the right job. And I was like, okay, let's talk about it. And he told me what it was. And I was like, this is exciting. But I was like, but Don, I'm about to get – um, into succession planning training to be a CMO of the bank. So, you know, ooh, I don't know. And he, and he, I'll never forget, he laughed. He did this little, this, little, this little scoff. And I was like, what's so funny? And I was sitting outside on a hill. It was so sunny that day. And he goes, you think you were made for corporate America? That's funny. And I was like, wow. Like, I never had a mentor that was that brutally, like, honest. Oh, my gosh. He was right. Yes. <laughs> He was so right. I mean, I love Kala Inside. Don't get me wrong. I've done it twice. But at that moment in time, I was hungry for something else. And so, you know, he's like, I think this opportunity fits well with your personality. And da, 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 da. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to fly down to this interview. Let's see if I get the job this time, right? Because I made a joke like it didn't work out the first time. <laughs> <laughs> but always take the interview. Always Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Linda. Always take the interview. Um, and so I got the job. We sold our house in three days. Oh, wow. I know. It was bananas. Um, and we then were like, wait, so where do we live? Like, what are we going to do? Yeah. Um, and I can't complain because now it's very competitive. It was a lot worse than it was then in yeah. 2019. Um, but I was the one to fly down solo, look at the house, and then place an offer on it. So my husband and kids never saw the home before we moved in. Um, but they love it, thank God. Mom, mommy knows. Mommy knows what everybody needs, okay? so <laughs> Totally agree <laughs> yeah, with that. Yeah. Well, he had his running list, and I was like, okay, check, 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 check. And I was like, that one we can maybe add on later. This can happen. But it was weird when I got in the Uber to um, check out the home. I felt it. It was like this weird 
weird feeling. I just got off the plane from New York and I was like, why am I feeling this as we pull into the neighborhood? It was such a, it's like how you just knew New York, mm-hmm. you know, as a gut instinct. Mm-hmm. The moral of the long story here is always listen to that voice and that itch that you have. Even if you think you're checking the boxes and doing what you think you need to do, always listen to that voice and answer it. Was it hard, I think, you know, about going back to when you guys were feeling that itch to leave, how did you guys bring that up to your family? You know, because for them, you know, okay, this was your final destination kind of. You'd moved all the places. Now you had your babies and your house and your lives. And then you're like, by the way, we're not here forever like we actually thought we were going to be. So what did that look like? For my parents, I felt so bad because my brother has two boys. I have a son and a daughter, but it's all their grandkids. So I basically was like, 50% of your grandkids are no longer going to be down the street anymore. So we're going to go to North Carolina. And my folks, they looked at me and they were like, we always knew this wasn't going to be your end game. Really? Yes. And I was like, well, why did what no one relief? <laughs> my mom's like, yeah, you know, it's you got to do what you got to do to make yourself happy. Like, they're like, we'll miss you. We'll come visit. But like, you got to just do what you need to do. And I'm like, okay. And like, they adore my husband so, so, so much. And they're like, if this is going to make you guys happy, then you have to do it. Um, And, you know, my mom's like, if it doesn't work out, we're going to be here. Uh, Maybe we'll move there eventually one day. They haven't yet, but I'm holding them accountable to it. That was the hardest part for me. I felt so guilty. I'm like, I'm leaving my family, my parents, my nephews, and my brother. Like, how could I do that? And was it hard for your kids? Like, or were they still so young that it wasn't hard yet for them? I, if you've seen Big Bang Theory, I birthed Sheldon Cooper. <laughs> so my oldest, Remy, is seven right now, going on 70. Yes. So he has vivid, distinct memories that he can tell you about. And he was he was four, and Maya was two. Um, so Maya was young enough to just be like, okay, like, where's the snow? But, like, after that, she just, it was great. But for Remy, he still has a couple memories And for him, um, it was starting kindergarten, and he thought there was only COVID in North Carolina. So he's like, we need to go back to New York because I need to go to kindergarten in person. I don't like how they do it here. And I was like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Oh, that's so sad. (laughs) Everyone's doing virtual kindergarten, baby, like not just you down here. And he's like, are you sure? (laughs) I can see how that would be confusing. Very confusing. Oh, my gosh. So was it around this same time, too, that you started venturing into the fitness and nutrition world. Was that when you were in Rochester? Yes, right when my daughter was two. So when we moved, I had just joined a gym maybe eight months prior, and I was like really getting into it and learning it. And it was once we moved here that I found um, my trainer that I adore, Jacinta OB. And she was at a local boot camp. And I'd not met a trainer like her because it wasn't like you go and you train and then you just like leave. She would always give input and advice, like, try to go for X amount of water, and here's the impact of water. Have you guys learned about macros? Like, I'm happy to do a nutrition session with you so you can, you know, I don't want you just to come here and be frustrated because you're sweating and working so hard when that's half the battle. Because if you're not feeding your body properly, you're not going to see any results, no matter how many times you come here and how hard you work. So I was like, this is very intriguing because a lot of times you just go and you think you're eating the right foods because you're like, I had you know, eggs for breakfast and I had a chicken breast with whatever for lunch, like why aren't I losing weight where I realized it's so much more complicated than that. So that was when I had decided to become a nutrition coach for myself um, and actually undergo the training so I could really balance out the exercise with the eating for myself. 
And then after I did that, I was like, well, now I feel like I'm uneven. I have to get the personal training certification because now I now I need to be educated on like, what am I not, what do I not know here? Like I need to be more holistic, um, in which case I got both. But I will say the personal training one was driven too by, you know, I was in CEO succession planning and I was like, well, there's a chance I might not get it. So what could, what's my plan B? What's my plan C if that does not work out? Um, and I, I had this tug of, I want to go into the wellness space and at least learn more about it. Mm -hmm. um, and it just made me feel happier. You know what I mean? It made me feel safe and happy. Um, but now I can legally utilize that knowledge and help my clients. So it was, it was a win, win, win. Yes. And you mentioned, so flying down here to interview, how it all started and you came to see the house. So when you were interviewing, it was for the CEO role. So we've all seen the succession show. I think most people have on HBO. It is very entertaining. I know that's family succession. It's a little bit different. But still, like, there's a whole process when someone invites you to interview for that process. It's not just like a couple of interviews. So this, the CEO role happened organically. Mm -hmm. So when I came to Walk West, it was for new business role. Okay. So that's when I became accidental CEO. Because I was like, oh, I'm going to just head up new business. Like, this is great. I've done that before. But, like, it's been a while. And then shortly after I joined, um, I was told, hey, do you want to also oversee the account management team? And I was like, oh, okay, like, cool. Let's do that. And I learned a lot about the company that way, which I think then led me to becoming SVP. Mm -hmm. And then from SVP, Donald was like, okay, well, we just launched the diversity movement through Walk West. It's taking off. He was the CEO of both companies. And that's a lot. You can't, yeah. do, you know. He is very powerful and productive, but, like, that's a lot for anybody. Um, and that's when he was like, I need to go and be CEO, um, and that leaves a void here. Let's get you a mentor to do succession training if you're interested in becoming CEO. He's like, do you want to put your hat in the ring? I was like, oh, my God. I was like, oh. <laughs> how do you always take the interview? Like, <laughs> yes. how do you say no to that? So I was like. And that is when I was also learning, like, let life present you things that might sound just banana pants to you, but go for it or or at least learn more about it. So yes. I was like, okay, like I have I have not formally done CEO succession training or planning. Like, what is that about? But I also knew like the entrepreneurial side of me is like, this will teach me how to run a business in ways in which I have not had the exposure before. So really like, you know, even with a startup in New York, that's great. I started a department in, in that company, but I wasn't involved in the finances and planning the budgeting being in charge of the culture, employee hiring, organic, and net new growth. So this was like a whole new world of things I had to learn. Um, and it was so, so insightful. Um, and I was like, all right, well, let's see if I get it. Like, time will tell. And this is all during COVID, okay? Oh, yeah. So I'm working from home, and it's not – I'm an extrovert, so I like to – I'm an energy feeder. I'm like, okay, you know, is this – are we going to make it? Like, you don't even know. Is the company going to make no, – no one knew if they were going to make it, right? And you kept hearing all the things of layoffs and companies shutting down, and – our team reminds me a lot of my experience at Translation, which is why I love WalkWest so much, is we're a small group, but we are a family, and we band together, and, like, we just get stuff done. It's just it is what it is, um, no matter what the circumstances. So this team was able to work together to pivot. Um, we had some amazing clients that we could help in different ways, like adding e-commerce solutions and whatnot, and we fortunately made it happen together, which was so beautiful. And I think for Donald also to see that, you know, throughout the process of COVID, I think that maybe it helped. I'm, I'm not sure. But in the decision to 
Oh, Let yeah. Me be where I am. I don't have any reference about what the succession process looks like. So how long does it take? What are the steps and things like that? So it's different per person or role, like depending on the entity. But for me, you know, they say 12 to 18 months because people learn at different speeds. And it had to be, you know, what are areas in which I needed to grow and improve or really lock in? So defining my brand, um, understanding more of the budgeting pieces, um, working more hand in hand with certain team members for organic and net new growth, um, ways that I can bring things to the company culture. You know, so they kind of set specific metrics that were customized to me as an individual and the leader in which I wanted to be. Um, And so, you know, we would check in periodically and just say here, you know, is where I am with this or that, the other thing. But I'll, I'll tell you the one thing Donald really said was it isn't even so much about these metrics because they're metrics and they can change. It's about the time to give you the experience. And, you know, what he and my executive coach had said is like, once you take these three letters, you are going to feel a weight on your shoulders. And there's no way you can explain that or experience it until you become that role. And he was like, I want to make sure that you have enough time to ask all the things you you need to ask and experience all the things you need to experience before that happens. Um, and so, you know, in working with my mentor, I got to see all of the things she was doing and all the things I'm doing. And I was like, you know what? I can do that. Or, oh, that is something I'm doing, but I need to expand it in this way. But even so, like when I was at the meeting and they say it is or isn't happening, and I was like, I'm ready. I can do this. And they said, you got it. And I was like, I'm ready. I can do this. And then it happened. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't know if I can do this. Because <laughs> the moment you sign the paper, you're accountable for everyone and their families and, you know, their children, their insurance, their livelihood. And I don't take that lightly. So that and I'm in, again, the empath part of me like it. I, I, I wear it all the time. And I'm sure all the CEOs do. But, you know, the second that is officially transferred, you have this like, oh, my goodness, moment that you just, I don't know how to explain it. It was just like this, oh. My husband was like, you need to table the that feeling and go back to, you know, what you're doing. And I think that I doubted myself a lot after that, the first maybe three months before it was like, your instincts kick in, your experience kicks in, and you know the answer. And then I would immediately have the answer. And then I would say, wait, did I think about every answer? And then I would overanalyze. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that was not a good thing. Yes. Not a good thing. And my coach was like, you need to trust yourself and you had to learn to trust yourself more. And that took some time, but I was like, Ooh, that was something. (laughs) I mean, it sounds like there was a lot to balance. I mean, just professionally alone. So did you find it hard at all or have self-doubt around how to balance it all when it comes to the professional side of things, the personal side of things, and then the professional like training that you were doing for your Mm -hmm. fitness and nutrition Mm -hmm. What did that look like in terms of recalibrating? Okay, I can do all of these things, but things are going to look a little bit different. Yep, absolutely. So I am a planner. So I was like, okay, uh, I'll do this in the morning. I'll work out in the morning. I'll study at night if the kids are in bed. Here's what I have for my schedule today. Here's what I can fit in this and whatever. And then I realized, well, someone's going to get like pink eye or a stomach bug or something with my kids, and that's going to derail everything. Or this one meeting, no matter your best intentions, if there's a saying like what man plans and God laughs, right? Yeah, that happens to everybody every day, right? So no matter your best intentions, you just have to learn to know what is actually important to me because I had a lot of guilt. 
there'd be days where I had to be so work heavy. I didn't get to spend as much time with my kids. And that made me really sad. So then I decided, okay, you know what? If that's how it's going to be, I'm going to find a way to compensate that. So maybe I have a day that isn't as heavy in meetings where I can spend more time with my kids or make sure I protect my weekend time and not have as much friend time then. Um, It was really trying to figure out not it's my new life is now 25% kids, 10% friends, 30% work. Every week is weighted differently. Every day is weighted differently, just depending on what my needs are, what my kids' needs are, and like who in my life is important to me needs me. But it definitely taught me to really reassess life and where was I actually spending my time and energy. And it was when I also realized like I had some friendships that actually were not good for me and were actually taking too much time, whether they were in my family or friendships. And I had to learn to set boundaries. And that was the best lesson ever is setting boundaries and knowing that's okay and how much better and lighter I feel from them. I sat down with all my girlfriends afterwards and I was like, okay, y'all, like, I don't know if you guys have done this, but this is an amazing exercise. Like, you just need to think about who's your now friend, who is like the fair weather one, and then who's the one you need for like the long term. Because for me, I don't need a bajillion friends. I prefer to have like a handful that are my ride or die and vice versa. And of course, having friend friends is great too. But where do you, where is it when someone calls you to say, can I have a favor or this? Which ones are you dropping everything for and jumping for? Because you can't do that for everybody. And vice versa, right? Totally. So that was, oh, that was so great. <laughs> so how did you do that? What did that look like when you were setting those boundaries? Was it something that you were intentionally like voicing or was it more just like Irish goodbye? <laughs> so, yo, so it was like, okay, where, what, what conversations did I like see someone calling and I'm like, oh, like, I don't really know. Or, oh, I, I have to call a person back because they're a family member. Because family first, no matter who they are, extended family, like, you know, immediate, whatever. And then same thing with friends of like, am I having a real conversation or do I feel like I'm just smiling and making stuff up just to make up small talk? And it's like we caught up, but like there was nothing valuable in the conversation. So I actually started going by how do I feel? Um, So it was and honestly, like, I think we all feel it in our gut, but sometimes you just don't want to address it because like it's a pain also, you know? So with family, there's two family members. I was like, okay, I'm just setting up some boundaries. Like I need to focus on my life and my my kids are my priority in work right now, you know, so I'm not going to be able to spend as much time or have all these random conversations at the drop of a hat. Yeah. And just kind of setting that expectation. And then same thing with some friends, like you figure out which ones are kind of the fair weather ones. Um, and so like, you know, I wouldn't hang out as much or I have, I'd have a conflict or things of that nature. And it just, it kind of, it ebbs and it flows in the ones that really want that relationship, you know, will commit to it or try to find other ways with you. Like some folks yes. are like, I can only hang out Thursdays at blah, 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 opposed to, okay, I know you can't this Thursday. How about we try another time? And that, those are the people you want that can kind of bend and meld with you, that understand you and want you to succeed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just like, I used to have friends like, oh, you're so busy now. Like you're a CEO and blah, blah, blah. Like you don't have time for this and that. Those aren't the friends you want to keep. No. It's the ones who are like, I'm cheering you on. I get that life's a little crazy, but like, I'm proud of you. How can I help you? The ones who are cheering for you for your best interest, not the ones who are haters or jealous. Exactly. (laughs) The passive aggressive ones. You know what I mean? I think that's (laughs) so important for women to hear. Yes. Yes. Because women can be amazing and support each other or we can be heinous, catty, you know what, and tear each other down. Exactly. And nobody needs number two. No. And I feel like, you know, we hang on to people We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but at the same time, like who you're around very much impacts your success 
your internal stress, how you just are feeling your and energy, everything. And to your point, you're right. We don't want to hurt people, but that's at the expense of hurting ourselves. Yeah. And that's where it gets a little a little nuts. It's like, is this worth feeling bad or tired or exhausted to benefit someone else? And where do you say enough is enough? It's a perfect segue into talking about being a woman as a CEO. I mean, it's unfortunately really uncommon for women to be in that role. Um What advice would you give to other women in regards to building strong networks? Because all of this came to be organically. Mm -hmm. You weren't striving and killing yourself to get here. You know, it really came naturally through the networks that you had just built over time. And then also being flexible and open to maybe different opportunities. So like what specific things would you tell people? I used to be so uncomfortable with networking. They'd be like, oh, there's like a coffee thing. Oh my God, I'm not going to know anybody. I can't go there. This is so awkward. Just go. Just do it and find someone that probably is feeling and looking as awkward as you are and make some small talk. And the more you do it, the less weird it is. It's just, it's, you, you have to almost get used to being uncomfortable because then you don't get uncomfortable anymore. Yes. And for some folks, that's not going to work and that's okay. But find find your space that you're comfortable meeting others. Because some folks, perhaps introverts, like smaller groups. And that's great. Some folks are extroverts and they can go into a big networking group. And that's also great. Um, even find something where if you want to be more comfortable, let's say I'm in public relations, you can find a public relations group, right? So at least you already have something in common with the people going that you know you can talk about. I mean, the whole part of humanity is making connections. And once you, like, we disconnected over New York. Yeah. We have, we have so much in common, but how would we know if we didn't talk about it? Right? So true. And we would have, if we walked into a coffee shop, we may not have said that. I might, oh, you know, I'm not from here. You're from here. We're not, whatever, whatever, whatever it is. Right? But look at how much we have in common. You will always have something in common with someone. It's Even if true. you start with, you have dogs. Like, literally, I have said the weirdest pickup lines to people. <laughs> like, I'll notice fur on their pants. And I'm like, oh, do you have a dog? <laughs> Not like, yeah, I see your dog on your pants. <laughs> Mine's right here too. <laughs> You're like, you just seem like a dog yeah, person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like the weird, there's something that you can just, you know, common ground with people. And I think, you know, one thing I learned too is when you are comfortable taking the first step and being a little vulnerable, that person's wall will also come down and then both walls come down and you can just have more of an organic, comfortable conversation. And then networking isn't as weird anymore because when you go back to that coffee thing, you already made a friend. Hey, are you going to go to this? Yeah. And then when you have, you know, safety in numbers, when you have someone going, you know, and then you're braver to go to meet someone else. And, you know, the cycle just continues. Um, always take up when people are like, I'd like to introduce you to so-and-so. I used to feel weird being like, I'm inconveniencing this person and taking up their time. They're so busy, but they want to help. And I think now in my role is like, it's my responsibility to reach back and help other people. That's a mission. You have to do that. You have to go help mentor people too. You know what I mean? Because if we don't do that, then our numbers will stay the same or go down for women leadership. So, you know, what are ways I can find people to come and mentor them as well? And then for things when you were saying that you may not think are, you know, what you had planned. So let's say you have an interview in a different industry and you're like, well, I don't, I don't work in this industry or that job or whatever. Always check it out. You never, ever know. Again, I met my husband at an accidental interview. Yes. (laughs) And if I had said no, I would have never met him and had my kids and be here. That is the, the, just, it's just wild about life, um, how these little things can kind of happen along the way. 
What accomplishments would you say are the things that you're most proud of? My babies. Oh, I yes. love my babies. Um, I'm a big rescue dog mom. I have Bella. We just recently lost Dyson, but um, love you, Dyson. And we just um, got Jojo. And that's really meaningful to me because these dogs have had interesting paths. So it's like building up their emotional broken links, if you will. Yeah. And healing them is such an incredible feeling and knowing when they like kind of bond with you. Of course, the work aspect of my career journey. But again, like it it wasn't like I have to do this and jump over people and climb this ladder. It was just like I'm trying to do the best that I can in the job that I'm in. Mm-hmm. And what I can give to the best of my ability is going to be good enough. And I think that might have been one of the secrets too is I never like – I never – inorganically like tried too hard you know what I mean where it was like oh that per- like it's almost like they're desperate I, w- I just kind of did it in my own way that just kind of led me to the people in which I've met and then I the the nutrition part I think is nice so that started um by having postpartum with my daughter and again for women like that's something that can get in the way right of our career path and things we want to be mothers we want to work people say you can't have both or it's a quote-unquote balance whatever that means but how can we help each other through those dark moments that can happen because we're the ones to bear children, mm-hmm. right? So how how do we educate people more and saying, did you know that nutrition can influence your hormones and this can help you sleep better or feel better or even with fitness and things of that nature? So that part is really nice. And it's weird to be like, I'm the lady who has moms now and I can talk to the new moms. You know what I mean? I'm like an old mom, you know, <laughs> or experienced mom, seasoned mom. But it's cool to be on the other side. Um, and help others because other women helped me. They saw my postpartum and I didn't know it was postpartum. I just thought everyone feels this way after you have a kid because it's hard because your identity is gone and you don't know what you're doing Mm -hmm. and you're scared you're going to fail these little mushy blobby kids and their, (laughs) their sweetness, you know? Absolutely. Well, is there anything that you feel like we missed or that you would like to add to today's conversation? I would say to anyone listening is everyone always says, like, be your authentic self, but start thinking about what that actually means to you. Like, what does it mean to be authentic? Is it finding, is it curating down your favorite activities, you know, keeping those close that you know need to be? Is it doing a cleanse with certain relationships? What's going to bring you joy and happiness opposed to exerting yourself and giving your energy to those or things that, that don't need it? It is a privilege to give people access to your time and your energy. And mm-hmm. I don't think that we say that enough or preach that enough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's draining. I feel like that, like you were saying earlier, you know, when you're around people and it's more surface, which again, surface friendships are fine, but it depends on what you're needing in that season or at that moment on yep. that day. Yep. And certain relationships, when you leave, if you are exhausted and you need a break, that's not a good sign. Yes. 100%. (laughs) Yes. If you're like, I need to go recharge because I just got off the phone with someone, Mm, maybe rethink that one. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. So I love that aspect of talking through like your environment, your people, your nutrition, what you're putting in your body. All of that works together to help you be your best self. Um, So how can our listeners connect with you? You can absolutely find me on LinkedIn. I'm the only Abba Bowers there is out there. (laughs) (laughs) You'll see me in a red shirt with my employees in the background, 
We were at 321 Coffee having a lovely time um, with Lindsay and team. So I would love to be contacted. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming to our podcast today. And hopefully we can team up again. I would love that. Thank you. Thank you so much to Abba Bowers. You can find more on Walk West at walkwest.com. And a few ways to follow the Women's Social Club. One, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Two, you can visit thewomensocialclub.co and find the community that's closest to you. If there's nothing close to you, please let us know. And third, follow us on social media where you'll find video clips of this podcast as well as the Women's Social Club's events throughout the country. We're at Women's Social Club on both Instagram and TikTok and at The Women's Social Club on Facebook. This podcast is edited and produced by Earfluence. I'm Hannah Weisberg, and on behalf of everyone at the Women's Social Club, we can't wait to welcome you into our sisterhood. We'll see you again soon with the next episode.